So as Cody Rose would say, what do you want to talk about? I I want to talk about Russell Dream. Russell Dream was the last AEW pay-per-view was held in Seattle. And I'm going to tell you, or we're going to go play by play and find out why this thing was actually a wrestling nightmare. I'm sure by now most of you have heard the news about Edge or Adam Copeland now being a part of AEW. That news is monumental. That news is huge. That news is big. That news is big, not for the landscape of wrestling, but for AEW as a whole. That is big for AEW. Some say that's the move that they needed to make with Punk being gone and them not having a strong veteran voice in the locker room. Some believe that Adam Copeland, there's so many Adams in AEW. Guys, Adam Cole, Adam Page, Adam Copeland. There's so many Adams in AEW. But some think that this is the move that AEW needs to make to capitalize on some would say is their best run since they've started their best run their best you could argue that this is aw's best three months since the company first started i could also argue and i will argue that these three months have been dog shit for aw i could make the argument I will make the argument in after this podcast. You'll see how I feel. And I want to preface this, guys. You know, I've had a lot of conversations. A lot of people reached out to me. A lot of people talked to me. They're like, bro, why do you rag on AEW? Why are you going after AEW? I don't think I'm going after AEW. I don't. I think I'm just calling it how I see it. Now, I don't preface that by saying that, hey, I am going to you know, take a complete dump on Russell Dream. Well, I'm probably going to take a complete dump on Russell Dream. It's probably not going to be. If you like what Russell Dream and you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably not going to like some of the stuff I have to say. So I want to just put that out there right now. Uh, but what are the stuff that I've heard? Uh, some people say I've been hard on Eddie Kingston. Uh, some people say I've been hard on FDR. Some people say I've been hard on the Young Bucks. Uh, what else? I think I got, what else happened? Oh yeah, dude. When I tell people I don't like CM Punk, now I don't say this is a badge of honor or pride, but when I tell people I don't like CM Punk, I always get this strange look, right? This strange like pause, like people try to process it. Hey, you know, I see a punk. Remember guys, I don't like CM Punk in the ring, but I do respect CM Punk. Okay. I do respect CM Punk. I just don't like to see him wrestle. I just don't. I just don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I want to see. I don't I don't watch any wrestling event and say, hey, I want to see you CM Punk wrestle this match. I have not done that in what? I'm 30. How old am I? I'm like 36. Whatever. Yeah, I'm old as crap. And like the 30 years, because I remember watching wrestling when I was like five. So, like, in the 30 or 31 years of me watching wrestling, I have never said, wow, I want to see this guy CM Punk wrestle. Never have. (sighs) 
But once again, I respect CM Punk. I want to get that out of the way because I had like a 45-minute conversation. Like, well, CM Punk did this, and CM Punk did that, and CM Punk had the pipe bomb. And he did. I, I get it. All right, I get it, bro. I respect CM Punk, and I like the fact that you like him. I like the fact that you like him. I like, I like when people are into wrestling because if you're into wrestling, that means wrestling is popular. That means people are watching wrestling, and that means I get more of it. And, hey, that dude Seth Rollins said it better than I can say it. We are in a wrestling boom. Like, guys, like, this is, like, roughly not quite a week later, but this is a week later since Wrestle Dream. That weekend, we had the NXT pay-per-view, which I thought about reviewing, but I won't review because I think it's unfair for me to review a company's main product, which is Wrestle Dream is the main product, right? I don't feel it's appropriate for me to review a main product versus a developmental product, no matter how good. Now, if you want to talk about consistency, I recommend this order, and it's going to sound bad when I say this. Because none of the AEW stuff makes it in the... No, okay, so if we go consistent, I will go... I will go NXT. I will go NXT. Then I will go SmackDown. Then I'll go Dynamite. And then I'll go Raw. But that really depends on how I feel. Because some weeks... Sometimes Dynamite is just consistently bad. It's just consistently bad. So if you catch me on, depending on the week you catch me on, it'll probably be NXW, SmackDown, and then Raw. And then Dynamite brings up the rear, and then the two other AEW shows, they might as well not even exist. It's how terrible they've been lately, especially after CM Punk uh, left. But, you know, the ratings and stuff came out. Everybody liked the ratings. You know, I'll never talk about ratings. You know, it's not that type of show. We know who's doing what. We know who's more popular. We know who's putting in the right amount of work. So I never get into ratings. Uh, I believe the work that we discuss and the work that we talk about speaks for itself. It shows you who and what's popular at the moment in time. So I don't get into that stuff. But there's a big hoopla about the ratings. You know, is what it is. If somebody was on here and we were discussing that, I'll talk about it. But that's not what we're going to do here at Geek Syndrome, especially when it comes to wrestling. We talk about the matches. We talk about the work. And we talk about the truth. That's in that work. So, let's talk about the first match of Wrestle Dream. The very, very first match. And as you guys can tell, I never, when I get on this computer, I never, even though I make notes, I never have my notes open. I literally press record, start rambling, and then start fumbling for my notes. I got to break that habit. Okay, so the first match of Russell Dream. Russell Dream started October 1st, 2023. It was on a Sunday. The first match of Russell Dream was MJF versus The Righteous. The Righteous is Vincent and Dutch. Now, as far as building up a tag team, they have been building up these guys quite a bit. I think they beat the Hardy Boys the other night. And, you know, they've been getting, like, video packages every single week, you know, trying to build up. Build up the righteous. So the righteous was supposed to fight Adam Cole and MJF for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. But as we all know, if you don't know, Adam Cole got hurt. Adam Cole got hurt really, 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 really bad. 
so I think this is the second time since he's been to AEW that he's been hurt. So, uh, but he's got the, he's got a record of that. You know, he's got a record of being hurt. He's got a record of being out for a extended amount of time. It's just Adam Cole. It's just the what to be expected. You can expect the Panama Sunrise, which he does on a consistent basis. Uh, and then you can also expect him to get hurt. It just is what it is. He's kind of like Daniel Bryan in that regard. I hate to say it because Daniel Bryan is my guy, but he's going to get hurt. He's, you just don't know when he's going to get hurt. You don't know how he's going to get hurt, but you know he's going to get hurt. You know what's going to happen. Like, Adam Cole is... He's probably got the one trait you don't need as a wrestler. And that is being brittle. He is brittle. He's, you know, any professional athlete, man. Any professional athlete, bro. Injuries will derail your entire career. And I think that may happen to Cole. Because what's going to happen, man? Like, let's, let's be real, right? They got Cole in the picture right now. They're doing these stupid-ass video promos with him and all this stuff. You know, they got... uh. Roger Strong, like, Adam, you know, still doing that bullshit. But the thing about Adam, Adam comes in, gets a heavy push, gets hurt. Now, he may actually get away with that in AEW, but in most pro sports, the WWE, football or whatever, whatever you may be playing, yeah, you might be the featured guy, but if you get hurt, it's really going to mess your career up. And also, it has a little disconnect with the fans too that we also got to think about as well because when it comes to wrestler you know these guys the reason why we like them is because they put on matches is that we actually see them do the work and with him being out of the ring is out of sight out of mind i mean how much are these video packages going to do for him in the grand scheme of things he's got to wrestle so, like I said, I'm not an Adam Cole fan. Never have, never will be. I did respect his work in NXT. I feel like I'm saying that a lot. I respect his work in NXT. I think uh, he is now riding the coattails of NJF. But whatever. But I, I wish him a speedy recovery. And he needs to recover because, wow, this match was crazy. Literally... I'm going to ask you people this. Well, I'm going to say this. Let's take that back. MJF is in a handicap match with another tag team. It's MJF versus the Righteous. And I'm not going to insult your wrestling intelligence. I'm not going to go play by play. I'm not going to critique this match, right? Well, I'm going to critique it. Excuse me. But I'm going to just cut to the chase. MJF wins this match. He wins this match. It's not by like some hookers or some about crook shit. You know what I mean? It's not like, yo, he's hitting like three people with like steel pipes or anything. Like it's none of that stuff. You can almost in your own way say MGF won this match clean, which he did. He kicks the dude with the K, double kangaroo kick, kicks him, and he, he pins Dutch. I believe Dutch is the bigger guy out of the two. He pins Dutch. One man wins it. With no, like, no outside circumstances or anything, MJF beats a whole tag team to retain the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship belts. Guys, these belts 
don't do anything for MJF. Having the Ring of Honor tag team titles does nothing for MJF. You know what it does? It makes MJF look like a damn joke. It devalues a set of championship belts, a set of belts that almost have no value. Let's say those values, say these belts have a value of two because it's two belts, right? It diminishes these values of these belts or even having them to zero or even a negative one because when they lose or when they give these belts up, these belts have no prestige to them. There are no good matches tied to this belt. And it's also... It's also holding or pushing MJF back. This entire match was some Three Stooges bullshit, yo. It was literally Larry, Curly, and Moe. Some of you don't remember the Three Stooges. Some of you weren't around for that, right? And I get it, whatever. But a lot of you were around. A lot of you know who the Three Stooges is. This was some old slapstick, doink, doink, I'm going to shove a chicken up your ass bullshit. Because it was. Your top guy, your champion, is a freaking stooge. He is a stooge. He is a joke. Because that is how you book him. That is how you book your actual champion in a handicap match for the Ring of Honor titles, right? And he wins for the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. And he wins. Why is MJF being booked this way? Why is he being booked this way? I don't get it, bro. Like all the years, all your MJF right now. And this is where this is where I'm disconnected. This is where I know. This is where I know that, hey, I might be the problem. It might not be AEW, it might be me. Because they have decided that this is the product that they want to put out there, right? And this product is just not resonating with me at all when it comes to MJF. I still cannot get over the fact that MJF threw the title on the ground in freaking Wembley for Adam fucking Cole. He threw the title on the ground. He threw this. Nobody, nobody talks about this. Nobody brings this up. But you have a champion where the belt means nothing to him. And I don't want to hear about anything else i don't want to hear about a wwe equivalent because i don't give a damn i'm talking about mjf so before somebody's like oh roman reigns Rollins, i i don't care bro i don't care let's look at the moment let's look at mjf the literal strap that mjf carries means nothing to him those ring of honor championship belts those tag team belts means more to MJF than the actual championship. I hope Jay White beats him. Him and Jay White fight 
him and Jay White fight pretty soon. I'll forget the the pay-per-view. I don't have that in front of me, but I know it's already scheduled. Him and Jay White are going to be fighting for the belt soon. And my God, I hope Jay White knocks his head off. I hope Jay White knocks his head off so he can knock some sense into him. So he can knock some sense into him and say, all right, dude. This crap has got to stop. Matter of fact, Edge is back. I hope Edge walks up to him and say, like, bro, I know this joke with you and Cole is funny, but it's going it's we're gonna hit a point, right? And you and a lot of people don't want to admit it. Maybe I'm just looking too far ahead, or maybe I'm just seeing the wrong way. I can admit when I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong right now, but let's just say in three months, let's say in three months, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But MJF is being booked. <laughs> like a joke. He is being booked like a joke. And the only thing that's saving him from this terrible booking is that he can cut promos. That's the only thing sparing him from this terrible booking is that he can actually cut promos. Because if MJF couldn't if MJF couldn't cut a promo, this shit he's doing would be on par with like Santino Morello back in the day. It would be on par with Santino or whatever joke fest that we had. Dude, you can't book your top guy this way, man. You can't put your top guy in the match like this. This is a whole pay-per-view. This is a whole pay-per-view, and you have your literal champion in the first match. He's not even fighting for the belt. This is something that you ask people to pay for. If Tony Khan wins Booker of the Year, I'm calling him Bull. I know Meltzer is probably happy about this, but dude, you this makes no sense. This makes no sense. You got your champion fighting in the top of the card in some three stooges BS match over some belts that don't matter because they're devalued into nothing. The belts no longer matter because he beat a contender for the belts by himself in a handicap match. And he's, you know, okay, MJF, I'm just saying straight out. He's got to stop calling himself the devil. He does. He does. Because the only thing he's worried about is his best friend, Adam Cole. And I was I was hoping with Adam Cole being hurt, we could figure something out and maybe move on, do something different, because that's what you're supposed to do when a guy's hurt. You, I'm not saying you're supposed to scrap the storyline completely, but you're supposed to move on and do other things, wait for the guy to heal up and get back right. Dude, MJF could have lost the belts. MJF could have lost the belts in this pay-per-view. He could have lost the belts, and when Adam Cole was healthy, he could have came. they could have came back and won them again. They don't need the belts. Adam Cole and MJF are so over that they don't need the Ring of Honor titles. They're not even elevating them. Like, when they fight these guys, they fight these guys in squash matches. Like, they are literally jobbing out all of the potential Ring of Honor tag team title talent. They have completely devalued this match. This uh, The titles, the match was a joke. Um, and you know what, uh, last week, matter of fact, the past two weeks, his promo with Jay White is probably his weakest stuff to date. He called Jay White tofu. Wow. Oh my God. He said, Jay White, you're bland. You got to take one of the flavors. Who gives? Wow. That sucks, man. Now, one thing I will say to Jay White is nobody's doing this. Maybe Tony Khan's not letting him do it. 
Maybe maybe Tony's not letting anybody do it, which I think might be what's happening right now. But nobody realizes how weak MJF is at this moment in time. Joe, excuse me, Joe did. Joe did. Joe realized how weak MJF was. When he cut those promos against MJF, Joe eviscerated him because MJF is the weakest he's ever been. He eviscerated him. Jay White has the ability to eviscerate. You know what? Maybe he doesn't have the ability. Maybe Jay White doesn't have the ability to do it. Maybe he can't do it. Maybe he can't do that type of work on the mic. But MJF is so vulnerable, it's crazy. I don't understand why nobody sees this. He is living in a literal wrestling house of cards. The only thing you have to do is throw the right rock. And it comes down. And it comes down. And you pours, as MJF would call you. You pours. You MJF fans. Which I'm MJF fan too. That's why this upsets me. But you pours who are actual MJF fans, you don't even realize how weak he is right now. He is attached to the hip by Adam Cole. And you don't see what's up because you think it's funny. But trust me, man, all jokes wear off. And it's going to be a time where you don't think it's funny. And then you will see that the emperor has no clothes or that the devil has no horns. As they say, the devil is like a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. Who is MJF seeking to devour? He's seeking to devour Adam Cole's asshole because his face is stuck up in it. Once again, I like MJF. I've said this before, but if they don't fix the booking with this guy, you got a generational talent that you're squandering. If you don't fix the booking with MJF, and I mean in a hurry, and I thought they were going to do this with Joe. I was, which they did. The match for him and Joe, you know, yeah, yeah, all that stuff was good, right? But I was thinking I was going to get more consistency with that. But we got to the highest highs, and then we got to the absolute lowest lows. Matches the F. Don't watch it. If you replay it, don't watch it. It's stupid. You know, the 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 funniest thing about the entire match, which that's also sad, was that MJF just grabs the dude's balls and holds his balls for like 30 seconds. I'm probably gonna make it a thumbnail for the video. Uh for the uh podcast image. Uh so after that MJF rant, which it seems like I'm doing a lot lately when I review these AEW pay-per-views. So after the um so what was that? MJF MJF defeats the righteous and retains the Ring of Honor tag team titles. Okay, then we have uh, Eddie Kingston versus Katsurori Shibata. Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, how can I say this? If you think I'm going to willingly watch and review an a Eddie Kingston wrestling match, then you are out of your damn mind. We're on to the next thing, which is Chris Statlander versus Julia Hart. And I got to say, finally a good match. Now, physique-wise, Statlander is 
a great deal thicker than Julia Hart. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, that ain't a bad thing. You know, uh, Julia Hart is, she's a physical specimen. She, I, they actually have photos online with her working out with like MJF and stuff like that. So she puts the work in in the ring. Uh, and it's not the race you in the gym. So she works out a lot. You know, she's, she's, she's pretty, she's strong and she's stout. And Julia is much thinner. Like she's, she's a much tinier person. Uh, I forget the weight classes that, you know, like between fighters, but you can, you can clearly see that Statlander and, uh, Julia aren't necessarily the same weight class. And I was like, well, I wonder how this match is going to go. But I think um, Statlander had a similar match with, what's Shorty's name? This is the last pay-per-view. Why can't I remember it? It'll come to me later on. But uh, Statlander has been, you know, she's been fighting people with a similar body style. So she knows how to kind of work with them in the ring. But it was a good match from start to finish, and I think Statlander uses her power like very well. With Jade going, Statlander is probably pound for pound the best wrestler in the women's division. I'm trying to think if there's any, I mean, in ring. Now, I'm not talking about like performance, because if you're performance-wise, I think Tony Storm's probably like the best character in the AEW women's division like overall, like overall best character, I would give it to Tony Storm, because Tony Storm's going kind of crazy right now she is just doing her thing you know she is she is really doing her thing at the moment so i give it up to tony storm I actually like her work i'm actually surprised that um i'm actually surprised that she didn't show up on this pay-per-view i'm actually surprised a lot of their talent didn't show up on the pay-per-view but uh you know here's what it is here's what it is uh <clears throat> but yeah, I say pound for pound, I would say Statlander is probably the best in their division. She, yeah, she's better than Bridge. She's better than ring ring wise. She's better than Tony. She's better than Soraya. I'm trying to think of who else comes to mind. Yeah, she's better than Tyra Tyra Valkyrie, which I haven't seen Tyra in a while. But she beat Tyra a few times. So yeah, pound for pound, I would give it to uh, Statlander. But then again, there's no, uh, as far as like pound for pound, there's no offense to that, you know, because she's not quite on the physical level of Jade, but Jade was like a literal, like, bronze goddess. There's, I mean, dude, she was just a freaking nature. I mean, a physical specimen. And I do like Statlander's double knee braces as well. Uh, okay, but Julia does well and has a good command of the ring, right? So Julia... Works the ring really well. I can see the improvement in her because she's much better now than what she was all before. There was a spot, right? There was one spot where Julia jumps off Statlander's back and does like an elbow drop. It was pretty much a complete botch. But I kind of get what she was doing in theory. And if I feel like she had it to do all over again she would have executed it quite well. I think she kind of slipped on... Let me see if I can pull that up. Because I like to have it going while I uh, talk about it. But, yeah, she kind of, like, just slips. You know, she just kind of just loses it. She just kind of loses it once. She kind of, like, slips on Statlander's back. Like, I think what she was probably thinking that she was going to get, like, a full base. But she didn't realize that, all right, Statlander's, like... A human. <laughs> and so she's not going to have a back like a table or something. 
They probably went well in practice, but like I said, in theory, in theory, I saw what she was going for. And it ended in almost the, the exact next spot. Julia put Statlander in an abdominal stretch, and you just don't believe it. Because if you look at them, like, I wish I had, like, something I can show you guys where they're just standing right beside each other. Like, yeah, you just don't believe it. Statlander's got, like, a head taller than her, too. So you don't really see it. I don't really see how that works. But, you know, they did it. They pulled it off. But now, as you work towards, we work towards the end of the match, Statlander and Hart make their way to the top rope. And this is where things get a little interesting. Julia goes for a moonsault and hits it pretty clean. Statlander does kick out of it by putting her foot on the ropes. And then Julia goes for a submission. But then uh, Statlander just overpowers her. Like, as she's in, like, it's almost like a cross wing or like a, or like a lay down, a dominant press. It's hard for me to really describe it. But Statlander just picks her up, moves her around, and hits her with two pile drivers back to back so all in all first actual good match of the night gotta go with a b minus on that uh both talents put in the work in the ring uh they worked well together you know there was one botch that stands out but overall i don't think they did anything bad it had a really nice flow to it and it was just a solid match you know, it was just solid. You know, it didn't it didn't blow my socks off or anything, or it didn't change my <laughs> perception on the AEW's women division. But I really thought it was a good match. So that's actually, if you think about it, that's two pay per views in a row that I I think I've given Statlander a pretty decent grade because I think she can go. I like Statlander a lot, and she's she's actually fighting people. She's fighting different talent per pay per view that's actually ch- challenging her in various ways. So another good match for Statlander. Keep up the good work. You are the bright star of that women's division, and I hope you have continued success. (sighs) Guys, guys, guys. Guys. You have to understand You have to understand what I'm about to say here. Well, let's start off with this. The next match is the Young Bucks versus the Guns, the Lucha Bros, Hook, and Orange Cassidy. So, this is everything I hate about AEW rolled up into one. I hate any AEW tag team match that's more than four, four people. I don't even like AEW tag team matches with four people. I think the tag team matches are literally the worst thing that they do in AEW. They are boring. Now, the Lucha Bros do all right. I like the Lucha Bros. I like the guns. Uh, I like watching Jay and uh, Jay and Juice or Jen and Juice, if you want to call them. They're pretty good. Cass and Hook has been all right lately. No, no big issues there. Um, but yeah, overall, man, uh, and it's not just AEW. Every tag team division is just simply 
devoid of talent at the moment. Every single one is completely devoid of talent. But the purpose of this match is to determine who's going to be the next team to fight FTR. I said myself I was going to get through this because I skipped the Eddie Kingston match and I'm going to get through this. But guys, I'm going to start this off with watching the books makes me physically ill. I don't know how any wrestling fan would sit down at their TVs, at a bar, at their friend's house, wherever you watch wrestling, and watch these people do what the hell they do. Now, as I said earlier, uh, as I said earlier, I am not a fan of CM Punk, but I respect CM Punk. I also believe that it's well known that I am not a fan of FTR, but I respect FTR. Because those guys can go. But when it comes to the Bucks, why must I suffer? And this is literally the problem when talent has creative control over booking. In what universe do the Bucks think that they will actually elevate this match in any possible way? You take the Bucks out of this match and this match is probably an A. But instead, I get this AEW 40-person tag match circle jerk. You know, a few days ago, someone called out the Bucks. Uh, a few days ago, the Bucks called, someone called the Bucks a wrestling cancer. Now, I don't think they're a cancer. I don't like them, but I'm not going to call them a cancer. And the Bucks responded by saying, this is on Instagram, by the way. And the Bucks responded by saying that they helped create an alternative. They got people jobs, blah, 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 blah. You know, they came off in a way, and this is why I don't like them. Like, they're, they have this grandiose opinion themselves. They have this grandiose opinion. Like, when they talk, right? When they talk or when they cut a promo or, 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 or when they get in the ring. It's like this grandiose aura that they portray that they haven't earned. And some people can say, well, they did earn it, Matt. No, man. No, bro. No. Go back and look at the Bucks history, right? Like, yeah, I know I know you get mesmerized by that flippity-doo-dah shit. But look at their history, bro. They've had to been they've been carried every step of the way. And they made the right friends. I'm not hey, I'm not gonna knock them for that. They made the right friends, bro. But they got carried every step of the way. I've never seen a tag team in wrestling feel upwards so high as the Bucks. And they talk about getting people jobs and all this shit, man. How much, you know, I don't have it in front of me. Maybe somebody knows. But how much money did they front Tony Khan when Tony Khan said, yo, I'm going to make AEW? How much money did they front Tony? How many dollars? I'm not talking about ideas, right? I'm not talking about ideas. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. How many dollars did they front Tony and Tony's dad to make AEW? And they talk about getting people jobs, bro. Tony got you a job. Tony signed you a check. Don't act like you're going in as partners. Like if Tony ever sells AEW, you're going to get a split of it like that, bro. Like, get out of here, man. Like, how much money did they put up? Uh, okay, that's enough of that. I just get up. I just hate watching the books. 
But uh, Cash is still way over. That's one thing I liked about it. Cash is still over. People are still hyped by Cash, even though he doesn't have the belt anymore, but that's okay. I think him and Hook actually make a pretty good tag team, and I think they do have something cooking. It's kind of like you have a person, when it comes to Cash, he has a... When it comes to Cass and Hook, you have a person who doesn't have to talk, and then you have another person who can not talk. But since Cass is so over, especially by not cutting a lot of promos, and when he does cut the promos, there's his own special style, so to speak that I think he could get Hook uh, just a little bit more over. If they team up or stay together for a little while longer, I think he can get Hook a little bit more over than Hook is right now. But Hook is still young, man. Hook is one of those those young pillars. I think Hook is still in his 20s. How old is Hook? Let me see. How old is AEW Hook? Tyler Cole, Santa Ricci, whatever. It's currently okay. Yeah. So right now he's he's twenty four years old, man. So he's young, dude. I mean, he's really young. I mean, you give Hook. You know, I talk about Dom from time to time about his growth. I think if we give Hook about three more years, man, and he just continuously, I think his ring work is already solid. His ring work could use a little bit more, but I do think I I honestly think his ring work is is pretty is pretty solid. I think if we give Hook about three more years, he'll kind of find his way around the microphone, and I think he can really take off. But the match kicks off with Ray and Nick, and it just turns into a super kick fest, like super fast. They even do like this cross kick like dual thing, you know, kind of it was what it was on there. Uh, but just like most of these like eight man tag matches that they do every effing pay per view, it turns into absolute chaos. Uh, the one of the biggest spots in the entire match is when Matt and Hook actually start trading super kicks back to back to back. Not super kicks, Northern Light suplexes. That was pretty cool, you know. But that was probably about the biggest spot in the match. But the match starts to kind of drag ass midway through. But there's no way. Okay. There's no way for these matches to flow well. It's just the sheer number of people involved. Because, you know, everybody's got to get a little bit of ring time. Everybody's got to get a touch of ring time in there, right? Like, everybody's got to do their thing. Everybody's got to show up and show out. So, you can't really get a good flow because all these people have to be have to be featured. And I think something happened to Phoenix, right? Um I think something happens to Phoenix during this match. I think he gets hurt or something like that, or they like fate that he's hurt. But for whatever reason, and this happened a couple other times too, for whatever reason, I they always act like one of the Lucha Bros get hurt and they find themselves out of the match. 
but yeah, it's just it just got boring fast, man. Um, the ring time, in all honesty, the ring time is pretty much dominated by the books and Hook. And it feels like the Lucha Brothers or, uh, yeah, it feels like the Lucha Bros is just there. But it happens in a tag team match like this. We got a few botches. Uh, right before the end of the match, we get a few botches. And then the Bucks, uh, the Bucks hit. Who did they hit with it? I think they hit. They hit one of the guns with the BTE and the Bucks win. Now I'm going to give this match a D minus because one is boring as hell. The guns did all right. The guns did all right. But guys, we are we are about to get we are about to get Bucks versus FTR again. We are about to get Bucks because that's what that's what the stipulation for this match was. Whoever wins has a chance to fight for the AEW Tag Team Championships. So we're going to get Bucks versus AT uh Bucks versus FTR again. Like I'm so sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these guys, man. But dude, it, okay. So I'm just going to break it down. I'm just going to break it down in a way that I feel makes sense. If you look at wrestling at its core, going back to his heydays, the biggest thing was you got to have guys that can draw people. You got to have guys that can put butts in the seats. You got to have guys that can get people to cut who can literally just cut on the channel and watch them. Some, you got to have guys that's going to, like, okay, for Raw, right? Raw, SmackDown. Or AEW, uh, like Dynamite or whatever it is. You got to have talent to draw people to actually cut it on, to cut the thing on and sit down for two or three hours and watch it. You got to have guys that will say, hey, man, this dude's going to be wrestling tonight. I'm going to tune in. Hey man, I'll buy this pay per view. But the Bucks ain't it. They're not gonna get people to watch your show. They're not gonna be. They're not gonna put butts in the seats in a big time arena. I mean, in a big arena, they're not gonna put butts in the seats in those arenas. They're not gonna sell pay per views. And I don't get why. I don't. I don't get it. I do not get it. I don't even understand what the hell they gain by fighting FTR. They already got the trios. They already have the Ring of Honor's trios championships. Which the trios championship is just a bullshit dumbass belt. It just is. It just is, man. We got these guys, dude. These guys, they are... They are they are not top guys, and I feel like they're just shoved in our face consistently. All right. So now we got. Now this is where the pay-per-view actually starts getting good.
Oh, what's up, guys? I effed up. Hold on. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, this is probably going to sound a little disjointed because as I was recording last night, uh, like I said, I was recording like 3 o'clock in the morning. My... What do I call this thing? Whatever I call it, like my media or like uh, my media controller or just my... Um, just like my hub. I can't remember the proper name of the thing for whatever reason. Uh, just clocked out on me last night. Like it powered off. And as it was powered off, I was talking for like another hour and a half. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize this thing has stopped recording. But the great thing about all of this was is that it was I didn't lose my previous progress. But I wasn't going to like re-talk like another hour or however long I was going. Because it was literally 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, when this transpired, so very unfortunate for me. But I've had some time to sleep. I've had some time to sleep and reflect. And I will say that I stand by all my previous comments. Uh, nothing has changed. The Young Bucks are uh, absolutely effing a snooze fest to watch. Now, what I have to do is I have to remember where I stopped at. I think Ricky Starks, Willa Yuta. Uh, where did I stop at? I talk shit about the books. Was it? Was it Swerve? Yeah, here we go. So. Yeah, I was going in on the Bucks, and then I went. Okay, so yeah, the next match was Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Adam Page. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. There are too many effing Adams in AEW. At first, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be like a little jokey joke thing. Like, I'll get over it. But legit, there are too many Adams in this company. There's too many Adams, and there's too many Adams on TV at once. Hold on one second, guys. Max, buddy, chill out with the toy. Boom. Okay. Uh, but, okay, here we go. But as customary for every AEW pay-per-view, I have to suffer. I have to literally sit down and suffer Right about the midway part, because these are our main event guys. Uh, I had to suffer through the midway point of an AEW pay-per-view with a Young, Buck, Young Bucks match. And of course, I once again had to suffer. But I am rewarded for my faithfulness. I am rewarded because we get Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. And they put on a good match. Now the match was a little long in the tooth. Uh, they probably could have ended it a little bit sooner is what I thought. Uh, I think they booked Swerve very, very strong. I like Swerve's booking. They booked Paige strong as well. They booked them as you would book an actual face. But the thing about it is, um, you know, I think they booked Paige as in he's undefeatable in a way. I don't know. It's a little bit weird. 
It's a little bit weird how they book page. Not not that it was bad, right? That not that it was bad. Okay, I want to preface this that I would say this is probably either the yeah, this is the best match of the night. If we're talking about just a pure, straight-up wrestling match, like, straight up, I am going to dub this the best match of the night. Now, I know there's some other matches, and I know we haven't talked about Brian Danielson yet, and everybody's going to be like, well, dang, Brian Danielson is your guy. Like, he's your guy. You love Brian Danielson. It is it's true. It is true. Uh, don't, don't. Kurt Angle, it's true. It's true. It's true. But no, no, no. Uh, that doesn't. How can I put it? With my with my fandom of Brian, it doesn't take away from what I saw with Swerve and Page because they did it. They put on like an excellent show. But I do want to give Swerve uh, a little bit of love here because the guy's putting in some really good work and he's getting over the right way. This crowd, even though this crowd is his hometown, this crowd gave a very, 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 very organic pop that you don't really see a lot. I feel like a lot of the fan pops in AEW are just like smart fan reactions. Like, it's, it's kind of like, God, dude, I know this is going to sound effed up. Uh, well, no, 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 it won't, because I won't say it that way. That doesn't make sense. But, like I said, AEW fans give you a lot of smart fan reactions. Like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Like, fans are are, are just diatribed or, or they're just moved along with the flow, right? Like, it doesn't, some of the pops just seem weird that when you watch Dynamite, Collision, or Rampage, or these pay-per-views, the pops just don't seem right. You know, it's kind of like the AEW fans are trying to will the product to be great in certain spots, right? It's, I know I rag on AEW, but I still like AEW uh, for uh, what it is most of the time. But I feel like the fans are trying to will it to be better than what it is. And I didn't get that in this match. I felt like the product was just that doggone good and the fans just popped for it. They're like, wow, we're actually watching something that's worth watching. Like, wow, we're actually getting a five-star match, which, you know, let's not get into ratings, right? Uh, <laughs> at least not with stars. Uh, but as far as it goes, um, yeah, I, I probably probably the best, probably one of the better matches. Uh, so Swerve didn't really get a, a very organic uh, pop. But like I say, Swerve's doing the right way. He's... Whooping ass, he's doing good heel stuff. You know, he's trying his best with the mogul embassy, even though they swap out member, uh, members left and right. But, you know, another good thing is Swerve isn't bogging himself down with the BS. He's not bogging himself down with uh, this best friend scenario, yada, 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 that you see with MJF or just, like, these unneeded and unnecessary feuds. Like, everybody... A lot of people say that this match with Swerve and Paige didn't really have a lot of built up, build up, but it, it really did. Swerve just went to his face and told him, like, bro, Paige, you have been given so many opportunities. You have been at the top of the mountain so many times in AEW. You are considered one of the top guys in the entire company. And look at you. Look at what you are. Look at what you literally are. You have had chance after chance after chance after chance. You've had match after match after match after match. And look at the state of you. And Swerve basically said, dude, I'm not going to waste these opportunities, man. 
I'm not going to be at the top of the mountain and blow my shot or mess my chances up like you have. I don't care who you are. So a man tells you that to your face, you better get upset. And Adam Page, uh, I said, yeah. And Page got upset. Boom. There we go. Nice buildup. But I think Swerve, you know, it's floating around now between AEW fans and wrestling fans in general that Swerve should be one of the next guys up for an actual AEW championship match. And he should be. He should be. He should be. He should be one of the guys. If you, if right now you got, if you got five guys that should be fighting for the championship, that should be going after uh, MJF. He should be one of the five guys. Maybe I was, I was shorting it up. He should be one of the top three guys. He should be one of the top three contenders for the belt because that's just the work he's putting in. He's and he's getting over. And he's getting over. He's getting over uh, smoothly. And then, you know, the one thing I do like about Swerve right now is, like I said earlier, he's not being bogged down by the BS because he has Prince Nana. You know, that's the thing. Nana is the jester, and Nana is the prince, right? He's the jester, and Swerve is the king. So the way Swerve walks out to the ring is that he owns it. He owns it. He runs it. He has a great command and a great presence of what's actually going on. He owns it, but you have that seriousness, but you have a nice mix of the comedy, so to speak, or the comedic aspect of all of it because you have Nana there. He's doing the dance, and the dance is getting over. He's doing it with Swerve Song, and Swerve Song's getting over. I mean, there's one part in the match, uh, excuse me, right before the match, Swerve was like, whose house? Swerve's house. And the crowd had a very good pop, a very good reaction to it. I mean, like, this, this is it. Swerve's going to be one of your better guys. But, you know, Seattle, once again, Seattle is Swerve's hometown, and they actually eat Paige alive. Like, they eat Paige alive, and you can kind of see it. I'm not sure if Paige was playing into it or he was really feeling that way, but it looked like he was jarred to hear those boos because, like, the Elite or Paige or the Bucks, they they never want to be... Or they never seem to come off as the bad guys. They always want to come off as just like these cool faces that do cool stuff. You know, like with Paige, it's like the Buckshot Larry. Yeah, with the Bucks, it's like the gymnastic bullshit uh, that you constantly get because they can't wrestle any proper way. Uh, but, you know, that was very jarring to Paige. And it was a nice setup to get the match going. Uh, like I said, Swerve was booked strong. He was able to show off a lot of his skills. Uh, one thing I noticed about Swerve is that he works a very slower-paced match, and that's okay. Slower-paced matches works for heels. It works for heels. And his style or uh, his match was a very is a lot of smooth movement and a lot of stiff style strikes. Uh, and it was like I said, once again, it's just a mix of his supreme athleticism. Uh, and he really does play to the crowd. Heyman did very well. Yeah, he did very well. He did very well. Now it's all classic Heyman. He didn't really, he didn't really go out of uh, go out of his uh, box. He stayed in it and did some cool stuff. And yo, it's basically cowboy shit. So you know, it's no disrespect to Paige. I know I kind of gave him the one-two punch there at the beginning of the match. Or no, I didn't. I was just recapping what the 
Well, let's say Swerve gave him the one-two punch because I was just recapping how they set up the match. But Paige did good. Paige did great, man. Uh, he had one spot where Paige did like this German suplex, and it was just executed flawlessly. Like that was like one of the cleanest Germans I've seen in all. Well, cleanest German suplex, cleanest German suplexes that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, but there was one spot where. Paige catches him with like a pop-up powerbomb on the apron. And I was like, ooh, damn. That was crazy. It was, it was a pretty rough one. And then he catches him with like another pop-up powerbomb in the ring as well, too. So they had a nice exchange of offense and combos throughout the entirety of the match. Hold on one second, guys. Give me this. Bro. What are you doing with this toy while I'm recording? Hold on, guys. I got to get my dog out of here. Come on, Max. Don't bring this in the office. All right, guys, I'm back. So Max has a set of toys. Uh, he has what I like to refer to as the living room toys. That's like his favorite stuff. Like they all go in the living room and that's where they stay. And that's where he likes to play with it when he's in the living room. He gets the most playtime out of those toys. And then he has what I like to call the office toys. Where he doesn't really want to be here with me, but he doesn't really want to be alone. And so he brings his secondary toys into the office to play with. And there's one, which is a raccoon of sorts that's full of like that crickly shit that they put in dog toys. And he just goes nuts. Yeah, so that's what that was. But uh, boom, back at it. So what did I talk about? Pop-up powerbomb. Um, where did I stop at that? This is the importance of notes. Okay. Yeah, so like I said, the combos, the offensive combos are really, really good. You know, like I said, like I said once again, one of the better matches of the night. There was one part where... So in the attempts, and this was, you know, this is a good example of storytelling within the match. There is one spot where Paige goes for the buckshot lariat, Swerve counters it, grabs that left arm, pulls it back and kicks it. Like he like hyperextends it. Like he hyperextends it. And, you know, it's just a nice play in the a nice play inside of the match where, okay, I'm gonna try to neutralize your strongest offensive weapon, which is the buckshot lariat. But uh, like I said, this match does get a long, get a little bit longer in the tooth because about at the halfway point is when they start using the finishers. Uh, I believe Swerve kicks, uh, kicks Paige. It he hits Paige with the house call, and Paige kicks out. Now Swerve's finisher is pretty much a kick to the back of the head. It's a literal kick to the back of the head. Like I don't know who you are, right? And I know wrestling isn't quote unquote real. Right, I know it's all about selling the moves, uh, but I don't care who you are. If you're even selling or trying to emphasize that, wow, I kicked this dude in the back of the head, 
bro, you need to go down, man. That's you need to go down. So I think they did that too early. And then um Swerve got hit with a couple bucks out Lariats and he kicked out of those. I'm like, man, guys, yeah, this this finisher trade off is it's kind of cheaper than them, man. I know we talk about that a lot when we talk about AEW, but it's really kind of screwing up their product a little bit there. Not once again, not to take away from the match. And you gotta think that you know that's a kick to the back of the head. The last pay per view we saw Kenny Omega go down to like a knee strike. Now it is now it was an exposed knee strike, but he went down to it, and I don't believe that to, I don't think Takeshi hit him with it twice. I think. To catch the nail them with him with them once cleanly, but I need to go back and watch that one. Nah, I probably won't. <laughs> probably don't. But I'm I'm almost positive to catch the hit Kenny with one knee striking at the end of the match. So one of my favorite parts was let's see. Yeah, where am I at here? Let's just go to the end of the match. Okay, yeah, so here we go. So here's my problem with the booking, right? Here's my problem with the kind of like the booking of this match. So as we get towards the back end, right, Paige goes for another buckshot lariat, but Swerves hit hits Paige with a foreign object, which the foreign object is pretty much Pris Nana's like studded crown. Like, I kind of give him some credit for it because it doesn't look to be the most sturdiest thing in the world. But he hits him with it, and Paige still, he hits him with it as Paige is doing the buckshot lariat. Goes to, Swerve goes to pin Paige, and Paige kicks out. Right? Like, bro, that should have been the end of it. But the match goes on. And it gets to the point where, you know, it's kind of like that old adage when you watch it like a wrestling match or when you see guys try to take out Brock Lesnar or, all right, I got to kill him. Now I got to kill him. Now I got to do like a bunch of crazy ass stuff to kill him. And Swerve hits Paige with two house calls and like a driver bomb, like some type of driver bomb, I can't remember the name of it, to finally beat and pin Paige. I'm like, bro. Paige took like five finishers and he got hit with a foreign object and he still kicked out of almost all of that stuff, bro. Like, I know Paige is good, but you can't book him that strong. You can't book him that strong. You can't book him that strong. I know we like Paige. I know I know a lot of people are fans of Paige, yada, 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 but you cannot book him that strong. Because if we go inversely, if we go to inverse, I forget how many buckshots uh, Swerve took. I think Swerve took two buckshots, buckshot Larry's. I didn't count them. I didn't count them, but I think he took two as a whole. Maybe three. But even then, that's the problem. Like, bro, you can't just do this finisher spam thing, man. It takes, it just takes away from the product. It takes away from the actual match. It makes the match worse. But I still give the match an A plus, man. The match was good. You know, my only issues with the match was just small nitpicky stuff that I like to call out because I'm just a old ass wrestling fan. Other uh, than that, uh, it was pretty good. Now uh, let's go to Ricky Starks versus Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta. Uh, guys, I was just uninter- uninterested in this match. Like, this match didn't do anything for me. 
I mean, JR called the match, which was cool, but Mox was on the mic as well, which is kind of ruined the atmosphere. Because, you know, Mox can't do anything right now because he got dropped on his friggin' neck like two times. Jesus. I'm not getting into that. Stevie, uh, Stevie Richards already did it. All the other guys already did it. Everybody already broke it down. Everybody already said what they had to say about it. But yeah, dude, Mox. And I'm I said this about Darby. I'm gonna say this about Mox. Mox probably got two years left, bro. Max, man. He's got two years left. He's already came out and said that he's got the arthritis of like a 50-year-old man and all that stuff just because how he's not taking care of his body. Which I don't really see the appeal of that as a wrestler or as an athlete. You know your body is your finest tool. It is your... And this is for everybody. Your body is your finest tool. And I had to learn this myself. That your body is the most important thing that you will use. You know, your, your body is your is your most important vehicle, right? And you got to take care of it. And I feel like guys like Mox, and I know Mox is pretty, like, muscular, but I just don't, it's just the way he wrestles, man. The way he wrestles, he just doesn't take care of himself. He doesn't take, you know, and I'm not blaming that botch solely on him because I think that was a little bit more with Ray Phoenix than it was with Mox. Um... I actually need to watch Stevie Richards break down one more time, because uh, he or if if you want to hear the breakdown, he he does it uh, very eloquently. Uh, he does it very well. He also has a breakdown of like what Nia Jax did and some of the other stuff. So Stevie Richards has one of the better uh, YouTube channels right now, as far as like content, as far as like watching stuff for wrestling. If you kind of want to get a little bit deeper into it, but yeah, dude, Mox Mox has got two years tops. Two years max. Because he's just killing his body, man. He's killing. He's going through it. Like I say, you got to take care of your body, man. And the way he wrestles and the way a lot of these guys in AEW wrestle, and once again, we're going to get on Darby Allen a little bit later. Dude, you got to do a little bit better. I don't understand the appeal. Maybe it's just you're addicted to drilling. Maybe it's like chasing a high. Because uh, that can really be what it is. Like I said, maybe, maybe you're chasing a high, right? And that's why they do what they do. But I don't see the appeal of destroying your body like this. And then 10 years later, you can't walk. Or, you know, you got to have a cane or something like that is, you know, you're just living like a, a, a not a very good lifestyle because you didn't take care of yourself. And this is especially important for wrestlers because you can't do it forever. That mat has no give to it, at least from what I know. I've never been in the actual ring. But excuse me, later on, yeah, later on, Christian Cage actually exposes the mat. I know I'm jumping the gun here, but he exposes the mat, and it's all friggin' wood planks, bro. And they get slammed on that, slammed on that, slammed on that constantly, man. The mat has no give. They fall on the floor. The floor has no give. You're already tearing your body up. You're already going through it. You know, it would be better if you just kind of toned it down, man. I say I don't understand the appeal of just wrecking yourself. But then again, I am not a wrestler. I am simply a fan of wrestling. But I think I've completely derailed from what I want to say. 
But yeah, the match was okay. So Stark Starks actually puts on a really good performance. Starks actually is the star of this match, and he's actually one of your rising stars because in the grand scheme of things, the guy can simply go. He can simply go in the ring. He can simply do the work. But here's the thing. Starks is not at the point where he can carry somebody that's not as good as him. Yuta is not as good as Starks. And you can tell it from the opening bell into the end of the match. Yuta doesn't move as well as Starks moves. Yuta doesn't pull off the moves like the, ex- he does, the execution is not there. It's not as flawless. And I don't dislike Wheeler Yuta, right? And I don't mean this. I know this is going to sound harsh because I think Yuta is actually good. But I don't think we should ever see a Starks versus Yuta match again. Because their chemistry ain't there. It just ain't there, dude. And I didn't feel anything when I watched this match. And I watched it from beginning to end, right? It's, you know what I'm saying? I, I watched it, and I, I was thinking to myself, man, this really should be good. You know, and Starks puts some good spots. Starks, you know, like I said, once again, he's a, he's a star, man. He's a star. He shows up. He shows out. Uh, he actually puts in the work. And you and you the you know he's a part of the Blackpool Combat Club and he wrestles like that strong style Japanese New Japan style yada 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 and he does that well it just don't work with when he's fighting Ricky Starks it just doesn't at least to me right at least to me you know this is one match that. I thought I wasn't going to give a rating to it at all because there's some matches I didn't rate. Like, uh, there's one coming up I just didn't rate. No, no, no. Eddie Kingston match. Yeah, I didn't rate that at all because, you know, it's automatically trash in my opinion. So I feel like it wasn't fair to actually give it a rating. Um, But, you know, I actually won't rate this one. I won't rate it because I don't want to give it a low rating because I don't think it deserves it. But I don't want to give it a middle of the pack rating because I don't. It doesn't deserve it as well. This was not a pay per view. This they shouldn't have put this on pay per view. They shouldn't have put Universal Stars on pay per view because I think nobody wanted to see it. They shouldn't. Have, this is a bathroom break match right here. Nobody wants to see it, bro. And once again, I'm trying not to say no disrespect uh, to both of these talents, but they don't need to work together. They don't have chemistry. They don't work together. And, you know, Starks had the last, last Starks. I, I want to reemphasize what I said earlier. Starks is not at the point where he can elevate talent that is not on his or not close to his level. And I don't think you is close to his level. I think Starks is A plus right now, an A plus level talent. And I think Yuta might be. Let's be fair. I don't want to be too harsh on Yuta. Because I think Yuta can actually grow. I think he can actually get way better. I think his ceiling is high. But you know, let's just say right now, because let's just say right now, he's not on the level of Starks. Uh, but the match was what it was. Big Bill shows up. Starks wins. Don't ever put this, don't ever make this a pay-per-view again. Don't ever, don't ever make this a pay-per-view match ever again for any reason. These guys need to be fighting totally different people. Now, I think if Starks was fighting top guys, right? I think if Starks was fighting 
Let's say if Starks was fighting Mox, I think it would be a good match. If Starks was fighting Cassidy, and this is guys on the start top of my head, uh, you know, his match with Danielson was really good. Maybe like Starks versus Ray Phoenix, things like that would be better. But it just this just wasn't really good. It was not really good. I wasn't really into it. So we're gonna skip that one. Uh, let's skip giving uh, skip giving it a rating. So the next match was. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, so I could be honest with you guys. I, I have no idea who the F Zack Sabre Jr. is, right? He's never just crossed my wrestling path, you know? He's never have. Like, okay, so what I do is I watch quite a bit of wrestling. I watch... So here's normally my, my weekly wrestling-like thing. I watch Raw... I watch, I watch Raw, NXT, I watch Dynamite, I watch Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, and then I also watch um, the Joshi stuff, I download all that, I download the Joshi stuff, I watch that, um, and then I watch New Japan, I don't watch New Japan every week, I, I try to like, watch New Japan uh, as far as pay-per-views, but I can admit I'm a little behind because I just seem to can't keep track of New Japan. I don't know why I can't. New Japan just, I'm always like a day late and a dollar short. Like, there's always like this match of the year in New Japan that I just flat out miss because it's hard for me to just work it into my absolutely packed schedule. I watch Raw because Raw is a staple. Raw is consistent, you know. Now, Raw is consistent. Now, I want to be on record here. Five years ago, Raw was absolutely un. Yeah, five. Let's say five to six years ago, Raw was unwatchable. It was just a shit product. It was just a shit product, man. It was just a terrible product. Raw was absolutely in the doldrums. It was an unwatchable product. Now, Raw is very consistent. NXT right now is probably the most, and I said this earlier, it's probably the most consistent show. Uh, as far as wrestling is concerned, on TV. Like, if we're talking about pure, absolute consistency, work, 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 night in, night out, right now, NXT is the best show. Um, SmackDown is great when Roman, most of the time, SmackDown has the best women's division in wrestling, bar effing none. Second only to, uh, in, uh, excuse me, uh, bar none, that's the Best women's division in wrestling is on SmackDown. Now, NXT is right behind it, and then you got Raw bringing up the rear because the Raw women's division is just not good. It just needs work, especially with those titles, yada, yada, yada. It, it needs a lot of work. But you can tell Raw is more for... Raw is more of the family program. Raw is pretty much the... You know, because it's all PG. Raw is the family... Raw is a family program. NXT is the fun stuff. SmackDown is the real stuff. That's it. But they're they're really good. Dynamite is so effing hit or miss. And as with me juggling through all that and also watching these pay-per-views every time that they drop, paying for them or downloading them or however I get them, like a lot of the New Japan stuff falls to the wayside. And I think that's why I miss Zach because I'm just not watching enough New Japan or haven't watched enough New Japan. But with all that crap out of the way, uh, like I said once again, it was Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, the la the match was actually a technical masterpiece. Like right? the match was a tad bit slow because of uh, 
Because of the high number of transitions, when you watch a technical match, when you watch that or as you go through it or as they transition from move to move, it's just going to take time. Now, I didn't feel like it was long in the tooth, like Page versus Swerve, but I felt like it was long as it needed to be to get their point across. Simply what it is, it was long as it needed to be just to get their point across. But I kind of knew the match was going to be a little bit longer from jump. Uh, I want to say, Dan- I believe Danielson outworked him, but I think Zach, uh, but I do think Zach did keep the pace. But then again, this could just be my personal bias uh, because I do enjoy Brian Danielson. Like I said before, like, dude, he is my favorite wrestler, right, of this generation. I don't think I have a favorite wrestler overall. It's, it's probably about five guys. But right now, I think Danielson is the best guy of this generation. But this match ain't for everyone. It takes about 10 minutes for them to really start striking, to really start hitting each other in the mouth, you know what I mean, and start just throwing punches. But it was good. Like I said, the transitions were flawless, uh, and it was a, it was, it was a treat to watch. It was a, it's a technical marvel. It was an absolute treat. And I do like the fact that they told the story within the match. Again, this is good. This is actually good development, man. This is two AEW matches, and you got to admit – these are the two best matches of the night where there was storytelling inside of the match itself. Because it was one part where, you know, once they start striking, uh, Danielson is throwing up the strikes with like his left arm. And then Zach yells at him, why don't you use your right arm? Remember, his right arm is the one that was messed up. And then Danielson starts striking him with the right arm. Boom, he starts to get hurt. And then the tables start to turn. They start to turn. Uh, we did get a pretty bad botch uh, about midway point of the match. I'm not sure whose fault that was. Well, I don't think it was anybody's fault. I think it was simply an accident. But Danielson goes for like the anchor roll or dragon roll, whatever you want to call it. And Zay- Saber's foot hits like super dumb awkwardly like it plants and rolls at like an angle it shouldn't have gone like the opposite way like if you see it you're like wow it's absolutely disgusting but he seemed to bounce back okay <clears throat> i think what happened was they just ran the spot too early because i think danielson was supposed to do the because they did it they got it right they did it the right way right after it looks like danielson was going to roll the ankle and then Saber was going to actually counter out of it. But I think either they did the first one a move too fast. And I think this is kind of happened. But the match goes pretty smooth. You know, Damage is going to put on the work. And uh, Saber's right there with him. Saber put on the work too. Or Zach. For the most part, not one guy really got the upper hand towards the end of it. Uh, and my favorite part of Brian Danielson lately, I don't know if he's naming this, but he gets to probably about close to the end of the match because he did this with Starks last time too. Uh, he starts nailing uh, Zach with a bunch of strikes, and then he's just like, F it. It's time to kick his fucking face in. And then he grabs the two arms and starts Stomping Zach, man. And I'm like, yo, this guy still got the juice. He's still one of the best of the best. Um, you know, uh, but the match doesn't end there. It actually 
turns into counter Mageddon. Like they counter like the entire match. But man, towards the back end of it, they just go boom, boom, boom. Toe hole, drag hole, flippity flop, suplex. Like the counter, 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 counter. Like the way it was booked, not one of these guys were booked weak. The only thing about it is a wrestling match is somebody's got to lose. Somebody has to lose. That's just the nature of the beast. It's a wrestling match. <clears throat> but neither one of them look weak. They look strong. And uh, they, I believe Danielson said that this was his one of his dream matches. And this is one of the matches he wanted to pull off before he uh, hanged up his boots. And he got it. And they did really well. They even showed sign of respects to each other at the end of the match. But Danielson does end it, ends it with a flying knee strike. It was at eight. So this was really close to being my favorite match of the night. Uh, it, it really was. It was really close to being my favorite match of the night. But I just think Swerve and Page did a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more there. Now, I know Danielson has no desire to be the top guy going forward. You know, I think he's expressed that. I think a lot of people have expressed that. Because he said it himself, man. He's about one or two. He's got about one or two years left in the ring. You know, he's basically said that, hey, you know, I want to. He, he said it himself, like, man, I'm getting hurt. I'm getting hurt a lot. I'm getting hurt a lot. My daughter's getting older. Like, I don't want to spend all these years, all this time on the road, being away from my family. And, you know, he's pretty much said, like, hey, I don't know how much longer I can do it before he gets hurt again. Because, guys, I, I hate uh, I hate to say it, but I got to call a spade a spade. My man is brittle. He has had a lot of bad injuries. He's had a lot of injuries, man. And I hate to say this because it's not a matter of if he's going to get injured. It's when he's going to get injured. Because, you know, the dude's got a steel rod in his right arm, bro. He can't go through a metal detector without the thing going off. But I believe in a perfect world, man, in a perfect AEW world, in a perfect AEW world. And I mean, if he doesn't get hurt, at least too often, I think he could be the face of the E. Well, I don't think, I know he could be the face of the entire company. He could be a top guy. He could be a top guy. But, you know, every time he gets ready to take off, man, boom, he gets hurt. Same thing with, with, with Cole. Hey, as soon as you get to the top of the mountain, you get hurt. But I want to speak some positivity to it, and I just hope and pray that he doesn't get hurt anymore and that he can have the matches that he wants to have from now to the end of it. But he, when it comes to a career, I'm going to go ahead and give him his flowers right now. I know I've done it in the past, but in terms of a wrestling career, there will never, ever, ever, ever be a guy like him again. It just won't be. It just won't be. Uh, as far as the rankings, it, you know, all time, it, I know everybody's got different. Uh, this is why I will never actually rank my wrestlers. I'll just say these are guys I like, but he's got to be in a conversation for one of the better guys to ever do it. For one of the best guys to ever do it, he's got to be in a conversation. We got to talk about it. Uh, because he really is. His career is like none other. If you think about it from beginning to end to, to the first time I actually saw him wrestle, 
up till now, I don't, I've never seen anybody do what he did. I've never seen anybody get pushed down so low and get brought back up so high. I never seen a guy fight so hard. I never seen a guy put so much damn work in from beginning to end. I haven't seen it, man. Guys like him just don't grow on trees, man. Guys like this, they're, this, they're like fours in the fires of hell, man. Like they walk through a river of shit and come out on the other side clean. Like this is this is it, dude. I want this dude to wrestle for 20 more years. Well, I'll take that back. I think he's in his 40s, right? Yeah, he's in his 40s. So, really, I want him to wrestle for about five more years and call it. Five more. At the end ring work. I think he still has a lot to offer, a lot to, offer to business uh, once he's done wrestling. But the end ring work, man, you know. And I think a lot more. And I think if he didn't have his injuries, I think a lot more people would be talking about him as one of the best, man. One of the best. All right. All right. So, as it is customary with AEW, I get one good thing, I get one bad thing. And so, now I have the Don Callis family versus Jericho and the Golden Lovers. <sighs> what did I get the last match? Hey, yeah. All right, guys. Um, Jesus Christ. I don't understand how we have all out and then we get this. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying all out was good. I loved all out. I loved all out. I forgot what rating I gave it. I think I gave it like a B or something like that, but I loved all out. And then we get this shit. And then once again... I have a match that needs less freaking people. You can take out because what the Golden Lovers are Jericho, Jericho, Omega, and Coda, and then the Callis family is Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara, Takeshita, and Osprey. Osprey, yeah, 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 and Osprey. But you can take out Jericho or Coda. You can take out Sammy or Sammy, and this match is elevated to a whole new level. The matter of fact, uh, let me just do this. It'd be real with you, yo. You could, you could take out Sammy and Jericho both. If you take out, yeah, matter of fact, if you take out Sammy and Jericho, this match is elevated to another level. And everybody's like, oh, no, you take out Jericho, take out Sammy. They're so good, yada, yada. Yeah, they need to be fighting their own thing. They probably should have killed that Starks and Yuta match and had Sammy versus Jericho again because they didn't need to be in this match. But the, the whole thing was trash, man. The whole thing was trash. Dude, stop. I don't know who's booking Kenny in these six-man tag matches, but we saw it in, we saw it in Wembley. We saw it all in, and we see it again, too. Like, dude, just stop this shit with Kenny, man. Don't book Kenny like this. Don't book Kenny like this. Don't book Takeshi like this. Don't book these guys like this, man. These dudes are single performers, and they excel in singles matches, man. Like, Osprey. Osprey shouldn't be doing this in some damn six-man tag. He should be in a, you know, it's just, it's just a waste of talent. 
It is literally a waste of top tier talent. <clears throat> and I know everybody's like, well, we got to get them on TV screen. But it is literally a waste of top tier talent. <clears throat> you know what? And honestly, I've ended, okay, I'm just going to go out and say it. Maybe let's give Jericho a night off from one of these pay-per-views. Maybe give him a night off. Maybe say, hey, you don't wrestle this one. Take that as you want to take it. I'm not disrespecting Jericho. But maybe give him a night off. Uh, match starts off with Osprey and Kenny. Then they, you know, they have great chemistry. Like, Kenny and Osprey, like I say, if you go back to Forbidden Door, their match was, ooh, God. You know what I mean? Like, Osprey and Kenny went after it, man. That's one of the better matches that I've seen in a long time. But then Guevara tags himself in. But I guess this is new heel persona. Like, I'm going to be a little piece of shit. Uh, and it's kind of weird. Like, I don't understand. Like, so sometimes you need factions to build people up. But Guevara is just bouncing factions. Like, the whole thing, the whole thing for reason why that he was mad at Chris Jericho because he felt like Chris Jericho was overshining him. And then you had the Jericho Appreciation Society and all that stuff, yada, yada. And Sammy wanted to break free from that. He wanted to be outside of Chris's shadow. And so Chris beats him, and he immediately joins Don Callis' faction. Like, bro, when are they going to let this guy stand on his own two feet? He can't go faction to faction. He's stupid. And that's what he did. He's going faction to faction. But Sammy's not really like a good heel right now. He's going to have to grow on me. He's going to have to grow on me. Maybe he could do like some good heel work, do like some some sniveling heel crab, yeah, yeah, yada. But I I don't know, man. I'm not a fan of Sammy Guevara. I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan fan of his in ring stuff. Whatever. Not gonna like everybody. Uh, but yeah, I I do. But then again, maybe if Sammy gets a new gimmick, I think it'll work out. Now his heel gimmick is pretty stupid. Like, as the match is going on, he goes out uh, to the announcer table. He grabs Taz's mic. He said, put me over, Taz. Put me over, Taz. Dude, shut the f- No, I'm not going to get mad. Last night I was mad because it was 3 o'clock in the morning. Now it's not 3 o'clock in the morning. It's like 10.30 in the morning. I'm not going to get mad. But, yeah, Sammy comes off as, uh, he comes off as pretty weak, man. This was pretty weak. And not in like, I am a heel type of weak. Just a weak character. I say, the, the faction jumping is not helping him. Uh, I'm just done. Okay, this match was shit. I, I can't. I can't talk about it. I can't drum up. I cannot drum up enough support in my soul to talk about this match, bro. And it, it shouldn't be this way because I have a match with Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay, uh, uh, Takeshita's in there, and Sammy Guevara. And I'm just thinking the whole time this match needs four less people. AEW has got to stop with this six or 14 or 45 man tag bullshit. Every night. I've said this a thousand times. Takeshita can go. He can wrestle. He is supremely athletic. 
He can go. He can do it. Kitty is one of the best of all time. Chris Jericho is one of the best of all time. Will Ospreay is the, 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 I don't know, let's just call the king of damn England right now. He's one of the best wrestlers alive at the current moment in time. And I cannot muster up enough willpower to get through this match and enjoy it. This is the literal definite. Whoever booked this match thought like, man, we got peanut butter and chocolate. You know, it's peanut butter and pickles. Well, I don't think pickles are universally liked. Now I have a paradox. Yeah, whatever. I'm sick to that analogy. It's like putting peanut butter and pickles together. It just doesn't work. Like, they don't need to be together. There's no scenario where they should be all together in one sautéed-ass pot. You got all these great ingredients that don't go together in one big pot. Dude, stop booking this shit. All right? Let's go back. All right, let's, let's go back to the card. Let's go back to the car. Before I go on, before I go on, if we kill Kingston versus Shibata, if we, what else can we kill? If we kill Kingston versus Shibata, and then we also kill, Starks versus Yuta. That's two matches we could have killed, right? I could have had, Omega versus Osprey again. Sammy versus Chris Jericho again, unfortunately. And maybe even Takesha versus uh, uh, Iobushi. If I kill those two matches that we don't need to see on actual pay-per-views, we can spread these guys out and have stellar performances. Like, bro, I literally in two seconds, I have simply elevated the card. In two seconds, I have elevated the card by simply removing matches that we shouldn't have. And dude, I don't care. Everybody says, people are like, oh, this match is great, man. Go look at the crowd. Look at look at the crowd as you watch this match, dude. There's people that's not in their seats. They're not clapping. They're not doing anything because this match is dog water. It is literal dog water. It is a D. I said I wasn't going to get worked up. Yeah. I guess I don't know who I am. <sighs> Guys, I'm not. Okay. I am not reviewing FDR versus Aussie Open. You want to know why I'm not reviewing FTR versus Aussie Open? Everybody's like, oh, Aussie Open give FTR one of their best matches. Aussie Open just lost to Cole... And MJF for the Ring of Honor titles. They just lost to Cole for... Yeah, this is just wrestle theory here. This is wrestle theory I'm you with. They just lost to Cole and MJF, right? Do you think... And this is for the Ring of Honor titles, which is a less prestigious title than the AEW Tag Team Championship titles. Do you think they had a chance in hell against FTR? The Bucks... Just won that BS 45-man tag team match to determine who is the number one contenders to fight FTR. 
do you think Ozzy Open had a chance in hell to beat FTR tonight or the night of this pay-per-view? Do you think so? Ozzy Open stood no chance. They stood absolutely no chance in hell. They stood no chance in hell, bro. No chance. I'm not an FTR fan, but if there's somebody who can actually challenge FTR and there's a chance FTR might lose, I will actually watch their match. Skip. I think I'm pretty sure FTR won. Because <laughs> I really don't give a shit. Uh, I'm pretty sure FTR won. All right. Dude, I ran hard, dude. I ran hard. I did not want to rant. All right, so now we get to the end of this thing. All right, guys, I'm not going to insult your wrestling intelligence. I just spoke of wrestle theory. This next match is Christian Cage, and this is this is the main event. This is Christian Cage versus Darby Allen. Once again, I am not going to I'm not going to insult your wrestling intelligence. Darby Allen versus Christian Cage is your main event. If we would go into the multiverse, if we would go into the the infinite wrestling multiverse, this is the only universe that this match exists as the main event. If we go to the thousand wrestling universes, the thousand different options out there, right? There's no way that this match is a main event. Christian Cage versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. The TNT title, a title no one cares about because we only like Christian Cage. That's the only reason why we care because we like Christian Cage. Your next TNT title, nobody's going to, the next person with the TNT title, nobody's going to care. I'm just sorry. The TNT title is your main event and you had your champion wrestle the, Who's booking this? <sighs> the more you think about it, the less sense it makes. Okay. But whatever. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna talk about the match. I, f- I feel like these last three matches were just blah. Okay. But this match was simply a vehicle to bring in Edge or Adam Copeland. You have heard it, and I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, that Adam Copeland or Edge is now a part of the Adam Trio. Adam Cole, Adam Page, Adam Copeland. (laughs) But no, uh, Edge or Adam Copeland is now signed to AEW, right? That was pretty much, this match was simply a vehicle to get Edge there. The match was actually good, you know. The match was the match was good. Now I know I ran into rave, ran into rave, and all that stuff. But the match was actually good. Uh, Christian is doing his best work. Uh, one consider this is better. You could you can say that this is better than his TNT title runs. I don't think so. I think his TNT title runs are still better than what we're getting right now. But Christian is doing very solid work. He's been a very solid performer for a very, very long time. There's a reason why when it's all said and done, 
He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to end up in three Hall of Fames. He's going to end up in the WWE Hall of Fame, the TNT Hall of Fame, and the AEW Hall of Fame. He's probably going to be the first one to hit the triple crown uh, of Hall of Fames, to be real with you, because he just flat out deserves it, because he put in work at all three at all three promotions. I mean, him, him and Edge are responsible for TLC. You know, he had a great run as a TNT champion. He had a great run in TNT. He had, and he's having another great run in AEW. Like, once again, when it's all said and done, Christian Cage, or Christian, however you want to call him, needs to be in every single one of these Hall of Fames in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Darby Allen is simply the reincarnation of Spike Dudley. Um, Darby Allen is kind of like what happens if Spike Dudley got hit by a truck and then is sekai into another world. But uh, it was a B match, dude. Um, the match did have some very cool moments in there. Christian pulls up the mat. And, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Christian does pull up the mat, which you never really see. I'm trying to remember the last time I seen somebody actually pull the mat up and actually expose what's under it. That was actually a really nice touch. I, I like that they did that. That actually added a lot of flair into the match. That added a good bit of flair before Edge even got there. So that was really good. I wonder who made that call. But whoever made that call, that was actually uh, really good. So I really like that one. Uh, and Darby just keep, Darby keeps taking dumb bumps. He, keep, he keeps taking bad bumps. Like... Yeah, this is the one that's been circling around the internet and all that stuff. Christian drops Darby on his, just back first onto the steel steps. Darby's got two years max, dude. He's got two years max. He's gonna. He's already. He the other day he was talking about his back was hurting. He's got two years maximum, bro. I I fear for the guy's health. But he's even said that he's not here for the long haul. You know, Darby's cool, man. Darby's cool. I don't dislike Darby. I like Darby a lot. I like Darby in ring, and I like Darby outside of the ring. I just wish he would tone down some of the evil Knievel daredevil stuff, man. Like, Darby's like, Darby's a cool-ass dude. Darby was just skating with Bam the other day. Bam is finally, like, I think Bam said he was like, Bam Mar Margera, I think I'm saying his last name right. Bam's, Bam's been clean for months now, which is dope, because we all know Bam had a problem with addiction. And Darby's skating with Bam. Darby's just a cool-ass dude. I just want him to wrestle more than two years. I... There's nothing that I would tell you straight up that I dislike about Darby. I like his character. Character's cool enough. I like his persona. And I'm glad that he's with Sting all the time, man, because he, Sting is making him better. I don't know what Sting sees in him or how that all came to be. I never read into it or looked into it, man. But Darby is sitting at the table and trying to just soak up as much game as possible. But Sting's got to tell him, like, bro, protect yourself, man. And there's a reason why I can still go at this age because I protected myself. There's a reason why I have, what, 30-something-odd years of wrestling experience, man, because I protected myself. Darby's got to look after Darby. Uh, okay, so it gets a little crazy. Uh, so what happens here? So I'm just going to go play-by-play play here. Nick Wayne turns on Darby. Sting comes out, yada, yada, yada. And then you think you know him. 
So Beth Phoenix actually voices the, I forget the name of Edge's song, but Beth Phoenix uh, is now doing like the first part. Instead of you think you know me, you think you know, you think you know him. And so they cut to a video package where like Edge is driving down to an arena and like this car, like this muscle car is screeching, you know, and then boom, he shows up and you hear his song. And the crowd goes nuts. The crowd goes nuts. Uh, stuff happens. We won't get into it. I think the... Okay, so the only point of this match, in my mind, and the only point that I will make in this match, is that Edge is now in AEW. Forget the outcome of the match. It doesn't matter. The only thing, the only outcome of this match is that Edge is now in AEW. So this is actually really good and really bad. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's not bad. I'll take the bad part out. This is actually really good. Edge has literally done all he can do in WWE. And his parting gift to us was the Judgment Day. Judgment Day is what one of the top two factions in the WWE right now, which is really good. So he 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 really he gave a lot to the WWE. He paid his dues and he has earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants to do. It doesn't matter to me. Edge can do is whatever Edge wants to do, he can do it. He's earned it. Now, a lot of people feel they're either really happy or really down about Edge joining AEW. You know, I'm kind of in the middle, right? I'm not, well, I'm not really happy. I'm more like, okay, wow, Edge is in AEW. Let's see what happens, you know? I try not to get too high or too low in a lot of scenarios, especially with new information or big events like this. So that's not, so I'm not going to get too high or too low. Um. but I think this is good for Edge, and I do think this is good for AEW as a whole. Now, there are already a gajillion speculations about what would be a dream match. And Edge was on Dynamite this week and pretty much said that. Like, you know, you never got Edge versus this or Edge versus that, or you never seen Edge versus this guy. So there's a lot of different paths and a lot of different ways that we can go. My only issue is the thing that I don't want to happen is that I don't want to see Edge in this Wrestle Dream like scenario where he's fighting like all these guys. I would like to see him be in a more consistent uh, feud or storyline going forward. And we can sprinkle some 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 things in there, but I don't want to be that uh I don't want to be the build up for a big matches that Edge is gonna fight this guy for the first time ever. And then not pay off or lead to anything. They've already teased him versus Christian. I think his first match is going to be him and Luchasaurus is going to be this upcoming Tuesday. But the way Edge is talking, he plans on being there for years. So I'm going to assume Edge is going to, I, I have to assume that Edge is going to do all over, do it all over again. He's probably going to grand slam the AEW championships. You know, there's a good chance that he's going to win the tag team titles. Good chance of that. There's a good chance that he's going to win a secondary belt. He's probably going to be he's probably going to beat Christian for the TNT belt. And then there's going to be also a good chance that he's going to go for the AEW championship. And then once he does all three, he'll probably call it a in ring career. 
I think he will be a really good fit in the locker room because, you know, I brought this up a while back. You know, look at the story with him, Lita, and Matt. You know, he was able to actually work through that. He was actually able to put on a match with Matt Hardy through all of that. So I think that he'll, I think that he'll have these guys working towards the right thing. And I think it all go. I think it will all go well until whatever happens with him and the Bucks, because you know that's coming. But I'm sure he'll try to kind of feel the shoes that Punk was trying to feel, but. Punk's personality, man. His personality just doesn't allow that. But I think Edge is more of a politician or more of a, I don't want to say, what's the word I want to use? But yeah, I think Edge is probably a little bit more of a politician, a little bit more of the kiss the baby type of guy. So I think he can smooth out a lot of wrinkles and actually work well in the locker room. But I believe that if he chooses to do so, that he can that he can help the roster as far as building their characters and really putting butts in the seats. But with all the talk of these dream matches and doing this and doing that, doing that, I wonder how much time that he could actually really invest in working with the other guys in a broad way. In a broad spectrum type of way. I believe he can, of course, do a lot one-on-one. You know, I, I believe that's the case. But in a broad way, what can he really do with that roster? Especially if he's going to be fighting all these dream matches and all that stuff that they're talking about. Okay. So now that that's over, uh, I'm not giving this pay-per-view a pass just because it showed up. Right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give this pay-per-view a pass because Edge showed up. It was a dope moment. It was cool. It was great for Edge. It was great for us. It was great for everybody that's involved, right? Because now we're thinking about wrestling a little bit more. And as my man Seth said, we are in a wrestling boom right now. So it's good overall for the entire industry. A little pop, a little pizzazz, a little this, a little that. It keeps a lot more eyes on the product that we love and that we enjoy. But I'm not going to give this pay-per-view a pass because Ed showed up. Or Adam Copeland. And don't get me wrong, him showing up was an A-plus moment. But it was an A-plus moment in a C-minus show. Russell Dream was a legit waste of four hours of my life that I will not get back. Well, let's not say four. Let's say two hours that I will not get back. This was the literal definition of me watching wrestling dog water instead of studying or doing like okay so i'm going for my network plus exam instead of me studying for my network plus exam beating divinity original sin 2 i decided that i'm going to take time out of my life to actually watch russell dream and it was crap it was crap match of the night swerve versus uh adam Match of the night. Match of the night. (sighs) 
All right, guys, I ranted and raved for two hours. You know, another thing that pisses me off, I say, all right, I'm going to watch Russell Dream. So I watched Russell Dream instead of watching the new Castlevania series. My time is super limited, right? It's super limited. So when I watch bullshit, I get mad. Uh, because just like everybody else, I work a gajillion hours a week. I take care of my family. Um, I'm studying for my network certificates and all my other certificates that I need to actually advance in my career to actually make more money. And so I go to the gym at least five days out of the week. Go to the gym, work out, run, whatever I do, at least five days out of the week. And, dude, it's hard to squeeze in good time, man. It's hard to squeeze in time. And I squeeze in this bullshit, and this is what I get? Crap. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I feel like I hate to end this, the episode on this note because I feel like there's nothing positive. But if there's nothing positive to talk about, I'm just going to shoot it to you straight. I'm going to tell you how I feel. But this is done. We got one more pay-per-view. I think uh, I was going to review No Mercy. Uh, I think I mentioned that earlier. But like I said, I'm not about to. I'm not about to. Um, I'm not about to review No Mercy and Russell Dream at the same time when No Mercy is supposed to be a developmental uh, product, so to speak, from a developmental program. And I'm going to tell you straight up: without reviewing any matches or going to any in-depth breakdown breakdowns. NXT No Mercy was better than Wrestle Dream. And not to say that No Mercy was perfect because it damn sure wasn't. They had some matches in there they could have completely thrown away. Completely got done with. There's actually some bump calls they made in No Mercy that had me scratching my head. But was it better than this? You betcha. You betcha it was. You betcha it was better. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you for tuning in, and until we see you again.